The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. Greatly appreciate it. We're going to talk to Coach Chiesa. Coming up here momentarily, we'll get his thoughts on uh, the Jazz and their the start of their playoff series against the Grizzlies, which we've we've gone this far, Gordon, and we actually haven't talked about the game itself yet. We have not. We talked about the result of the game. We talked. We talked about. I mean, look, th- this is frustrating for Jazz fans, and I'm sure it's frustrating for the players and for the coaches and for everybody involved that. Someone who they thought was going to be a key, that many people, including the players, thought was going to be an integral part of what was going to happen in the game last night, at the last minute was scratched against his will. And uh, and then the Jazz go out. They looked like they were out of kilter a little bit. They started pretty good. But then it just sort of eroded away as the game went on. And it was the it was the uh, the Grizz- the Grizzlies who were supposed to be all fatigued and tired and worn out, right? Yep. And yet it was the Jazz who who sort of folded up a little bit and yeah, they made the comeback at the end. Uh, uh, Boyan got hot and started making shots. But that team did not look like the Jazz team on most nights this year, especially not on this floor in this building. I mean, they just rarely played like that. And so for that to happen in the first game of a playoff series shook everybody up. All right. uh, We'll get to more, of course, uh, about the game itself. In fact, we'll get to uh, more about the game itself with our next guest. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, longtime jazz assistant coach. He's our good friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa. What's going on, Coach? Guys, I'm doing well. Thank you. Hey, uh, give us your thoughts on on last night's game. Tough one for the Jazz, missing Donovan Mitchell, but uh, di- you know didn't get blown out. It looked for a minute like they might, but brought it back and made it close. Very much. Also, it was a gritty effort by the Grizzlies. So it's more the Grizzlies competed at a high level, and the Jazz knew it what it took, but they were slow to the party. And it all started, Jake, with the tempo of the game. The Jets jump out early, but then they had these self-inflicted turnovers. It's almost impossible to win a playoff game, whether home or away, if you commit eight turnovers in the first quarter, and it was the end of the first quarter, basically, and that's when they started to get the rhythm of self the Grizzlies. Let's fast forward it. Jets down 17 in the fourth quarter, and then they rally with that sense of urgency. Boyan played wonderful in that stretch, but the Jazz defense picked up and they were able to get all the loose balls. Before that, it was the the Dylan Brooks show and also with uh, um, uh, uh, Kyle Anderson as far as defensively and John Morant making showing his unbelievable talent and making and making plays out of nothing. So it was more the Grizzlies, but the Jazz helped them unfortunately by not um, by not having the intensity level to play in a playoff game. So, okay, so what strategically was happening defensively, Gordy, that the Jazz just could not 
hang with a team that isn't exactly explosive offensively. I mean, they like to get in transition and whatnot, but it, it's not like this is a stellar offensive outfit. Why couldn't the Jazz stop it? What happened, they, it was the, they, the Grizzlies won the paint game. So think about it. The Jazz were outscored 62-42 to 42 in the paint. So the Jazz counterpunched that by their three-point game. But last night they struggled. So what the Jazz do excellent in the NBA is make threes, the best in the NBA. They're, they made 16.7 regular season, less than they only made 12. Defensively, they have to uh, solve the dilemma of John Morant as far as in, uh, on a high pick and roll. What are you going to do with that? Morant was going absolutely crazy in the fourth quarter where they couldn't stop him, meaning that Michael Conley got screened at the point of the, at point of the, uh, the pick, and also um, Royce O'Neal had a hard time of getting up into Morant's body, and that gave John Morant, who's athletic and gifted, a chance to make plays. Rudy fouls out, and then Derek Favors, who played, played really strong, there was that sweet spot on the floor, Gordon and uh, Jake, that paint area where if I penetrate too much, uh, I get my shot block at the rim by the shot blockers of the Jazz. But if I have that sweet spot in the paint where I lane pull up, the shot blocker, we freeze him, meaning the dribbler, and that he's late to get there. So that's what happened, was that that middle game, Gordon, most times, in, generally speaking, in NBA playoff games, the majority of the points in the fourth quarter are scored below the foul line extended. And last night indicated that with the Grizzlies as far as uh, them um, making plays. And even Boyan Bondanovich, he made some threes, I get that, in the fourth quarter, but he was driving the ball to the basket and mid-posting up. So you've got to have both in a playoff game, the long ball and the middle game to be successful. So, Coach, I remember way back in the day when I was producing a show you were doing on these airwaves with uh, one Scott Gerard, and it was uh, during a season of jazz basketball where they were plagued by injuries. Of course, uh, Carlos Boozer, uh, notoriously so. And uh, you would consistently come on the air and say that uh, he's he's hurt and he'll come back when he can. And, uh, you know, uh, your perspective, I, th- I thought, was valuable in that situation. Uh, so fast forward to, the, to this year, and Donovan obviously wanted to play in game one. He's been he was very vocal about that uh, today. The staff, as he put it. Um, said he was a no-go for game one. And I know you don't know specifics about this particular circumstance. So my question, I guess, is can you talk about the relationship between coaching staff, franchise, and player when it comes to negotiating through injury? There's no relationship at all. It's all based on the medical staff. So the coaches are not objective and the player, meaning Donovan Mitchell, like all players, they're highly competitive, and they want to play. And so the two dynamics are looking at only one point of it. The medical staff is the voice of reason, and they know. So last night, just generally speaking, I'm just assuming that the medical staff felt that Donovan wasn't physically ready to play um, in an intense um, game activity. That's what I'll use. An intense game activity. And they made that decision, and it's up to the doctors and the trainers. They know. So, Gordy, what difference does Donovan Mitchell make? What what can he do against this Grizzlies team that will make such a big difference? A whole bunch, starting this, that. Now, with Donovan in the game, he puts so much stress on John Morant's feet defensively. 
So John Morant, to his credit, he was able to penetrate, get into the lane, and make plays. Now with Donovan there, Dylan Brooks got to guard him, and so and so there's um, um, Grayson Allen and a half of John Morant, and now Donovan puts so much uh, defensive stress to, to stay in front of him to try to negate some of his plays. So last night, the Grizzlies, they competed defensively, but their star young player played offense, uh, free-spirited, and he came through for them. That's, that's Donovan Mitchell. The Jazz missed him dramatically last year. Here's some quick numbers. He averaged regular season 26.4 points per game, 5.2 assists, 38.6 from threes, and 43.8 from the, from the uh, field goal percentage. But even better than that, he's a big play artist, and that's what the Jazz missed. So last night, bogey and clutch came through. Donovan was there. It would be both those guys coming through with, with their trusted sidekicks. So they miss his offense, but also the element of the threat of what he does for his teammates. Coach Gordy Chiesa is on with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 uh, The Zone. Uh, what adjustments do you expect the Jazz to make from game one to game two? First adjustment is this, is um, the magnitude of the possession. You can't waste possessions. So, unfortunately, the Jazz did that where they threw the ball away. And let's give the Grizzlies credit. Jake, most times in Gordon, when the Jazz players penetrate, they try to kick it out to what? The corner. The Grizzlies didn't cooperate. What they did uh, really well, and they do drills of teaching that, where when the dribble penetration, say Jordan Clarkson is penetrating baseline. He wants to go through the opposite corner. They split two players on offense, meaning one defensive player. It was Kyle Anderson, and also, ironically, it was Jaron uh, Jackson. They split two defenders with early eyes, and they were able to what? get back to that ball and steal it with their length because they didn't uh, just uh, face guard the three-point shooter. They split two and took that, took that pass away, and the Jazz really panicked. Here's the counterpunch to that, is that what you do when you penetrate and you see the player defensively is splitting two offensive players, keep the dribble alive and freeze him, an extra bounce or two, and that makes him have to lean one direction. When he leans, you either take the shot yourself or kick it out to the open player. The Jazz almost like threw the ball too early into what interceptor. Will you do us a favor, Gordy, and break down Dylan Brooks and John Morant's games? Um, I mean, what what are you seeing out of them that uh, that the Jazz uh, can control or can at least slow down a little bit? Yeah, first thing is that get into their bodies. So Dylan Brooks and John Morant, they they had a free spirit with the ball. Now, you don't want to foul them, just recklessly foul them. So you've got, we call it, get up into the dribbler. So Moran, think about what he was doing. He was dribbling the ball side to side, uh, alias, I'll call him Gordon, uh, Jamal Crawford type, who's really good, or Allen Iverson type, where they, that ball goes back and forth to each hand until they, what, freeze the defensive player. What you want to do is what? Get up into that dribbler. Ironically, that was Dylan Brooks defensively and uh, Desmond uh, Bain. They got into Jordan Clarkson yesterday, remember, where he suddenly couldn't get free for a shot up into him. So more physicality with technique getting into them. And also with John Moran, you've got to trap him some of the time. You just can't let him come down. It would be like playing against Stephen Curry who's an elite jump shooter, this guy's an elite driver. So you've got to try to run and trap him 
selectively to get the ball out of his hands and make other players make plays. So one, physicality, two, change up the look as far as either team-wise or on-ball defender to make him be more of a guessing game versus what? He has you back on your heels. Coach, uh, you obviously worked for the Jazz for a long time, but you worked in Memphis for a long time as well. In fact, we're there uh, at the same time as uh, as Michael Conley. And so, you know, a, a big storyline in the series is going to be Conley playing against his old team. you have any thoughts on, on that? Uh, very much I do. And let's the listeners right now, 12 of the zone, Michael Conley is the all-time leading scorer in the history of Memphis Grizzlies basketball and assist leader. So that is special. But with that said, though, Mike plays for the Jazz, not his former team, meaning the Memphis Grizzlies. So my thoughts about that, Jake, is that it's wonderful having, quote, a homecoming. But if you're the Jazz players, we want to spoil that. Meaning what? The intensity level. There's nothing regular about the playoffs. Every series, the intensity level kicks up three notches. And the Jazz learned that. Gordon, you mentioned before about the home record. So ironically, the Jazz are the best home record in the NBA. However, in the, le- in the present tense, they lost the last home game versus Portland to Dame Litter and that crew, and they lost last night. And both times, just generally speaking, it's um, turnovers, unfortunately, plagued them and just the intensity level of what you need. So the question always is, hey, can I be intense in a game, have proper technique, but still not be crazed? That's the question. Last night, Dylan Brooks had that sweet spot mentally where he got himself going really uh, basically a streak shooter. He had it rolling, and John Morant showed everybody why he was the second pick of the draft in uh, 2019. Now it's Donovan's turn. Now it's uh, uh, Boyan's uh, 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 turn right now. Now it's Rudy Gobert to try to get some muscle plays in the lane. Let's not forget, uh, Jonas Valachunas that tough-minded Lithuanian, he did a good job as far as bodying up on Rudy and causing some havoc in the lane. And that set back the Jazz some of the time. Rudy fouls out for the first time the whole season at the 425-minute mark, and that affected somewhat the outcome. So many things to get to here, Gordy. Uh, first of all, about your turnovers comment, it's nice to hear great minds agree on something, uh, Jake. That's unusual. Yeah, and That's agree. unusual. I'm saying my mind is uh, thinking with you. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> For you, on your point of view, not mine. Uh, you know, <laughs> let's say most coaches are not the sharpest tools in the t- uh, shed. If you get my drift, <laughs> yeah. don't be insulted because you agree with me, Gordy. The other thing is that the Jazz work their butt off all season long to get home court advantage through the playoffs, and then one off game, boom you lose your home court advantage to the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, and the reason why is that the other guys really also are competitive. This one thing about the NBA slash the NFL is that these people, the players, are highly unbelievable gifted, but now they're playing in uh, in a focused environment where we've got to take away this kickout pass to the corner. This is how we're going to do it. We've got to be able to be gritty without fouling. The Jazz point of view, we've got to be able to um, make plays and just a split second read the defense better. Just a split second. So the advantage was unfortunately given to the Grizzlies, but 
You get to remember now, the Jazz this past season were 21 and 15 on the road, and the Jazz did win in Memphis regular season. So it has been done with this group in the present tense. And now, for the Jazz point of view, we the Jazz struggled last night in a very hard-fought battle. Can can now can we learn from this? And now we are the aggressor. Most times in NBA playoff basketball, the losing team says, "Gordon, these awful words, Jake." I wish we were more physical during the game, and I wish that we shot better from the foul line or had less turnovers. That that it was 1970 or 19 excuse me or 2021. That comment, those comments, never ever ever change. Coach, I understand you have a list for us. Jake and Gordon, yes, I do. It's only 11 players on the list, so there's only 11 players. Um, that an NBA playoff history that had five or more triple doubles. Eleven only all time with five or more triple doubles. So this list is the most career playoff triple doubles. And let's let's quickly define what's a triple double for the listening audience right now. A triple double is recorded when a player registers ten or more and three of the following five categories in a game. These categories are one, points, two, assist, three, rebounds, four, steals, and five, blocks. And Gordon, in this list, before I go over the list of 11 players, two of these guys, unfortunately, played a uh, uh, didn't play after 1973-74. In 1973-74 season, the NBA officially recorded steals and blocks. So we never know, two of these guys, how many steals they got in the game or blocks. Here we go. Tied for number 10 all-time, one player is playing right now. Nikolai Jokic of the Denver Nuggets has five triple-doubles in playoffs, and the late great John Havlicek has five. Number nine, Oscar Robinson with eight, and he played before 73-74. Number eight, he had nine triple-doubles. They changed the rules of this guy as far as basketball, Wilt Chamberlain, again, before 1973-74. All right, tied for fourth place, there's four players with four triple-doubles. They are Draymond Green, Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo, and Larry Bird, number three all-time, with 11 triple-doubles, Jason Kidd. Number two, he plays for the L.A. Lakers as we speak right now. He has 28 career playoff triple-doubles, LeBron James, and the all-time leader in NBA history with the most triple-doubles. He did it with a smile. He used to live in L.A., at the Great Western Forum, he has 30 triple-doubles all-time. The number one leader is Magic Johnson. In jazz basketball, there's only been one triple-double in the history of, of the playoffs, and I was there gratefully uh, that day. John Stockton is the only Utah Jazz player to record a playoff triple-double on April 28, 2001, versus the Dallas Mavericks, Jake, at age 39, which is incredible, where he got 12 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists. My instincts tell me that someday Rudy will join that group, and someday will also be Donovan Mitchell. Mm. Thus, that's my all-time list. Mm. 
Awesome. Coach, you are the best. Thank you, as always, for jumping on with us. Thanks, guys. Stay well. There's our friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa. Good stuff. All right, we'll have more straight ahead. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.